0: A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team.
1: Powered by Seahawks.com. What's up, folks? This is Michael Bumpus, and you're listening to Hawk Talk, the preview edition week 12. I'm here with my producer, NASA Chobe. The Hawks go down to PA, and they're going to take on the Eagles. But before we get into it, we're going to check up on these injuries.
2: Thanks, Michael. Before we get into injuries, some big news coming out of the VMAC this week was tight end Ed Dixon was added to the 53-man roster. Dixon's been on IR this whole season as he was recovering from knee surgery in training camp, so that should definitely help boost the thin tight end room. To make room on the roster, though, the Seahawks did have their way of nickel corner Jamar Taylor, which should open things up for Ugo Amadi to get some playing time at nickel. As far as other injuries go, Luke Wilson's been battling a hamstring injury. and It's going to be difficult for him to go on Sunday. Head coach Pete Carroll spoke to that as well as Tyler Lockett status this week.
3: Luke is uh, is the one that we're you know going to have to watch. Um, of course, we're watching Tyler, but Tyler's really on the upswing now. Um, it was a couple, a couple tough days, you know, before we got out of uh, California, but um, he's feeling way better and expects to do some work. He's going to catch some balls after practice with Russ and <laughs> and uh, start getting ready to go. You play Sunday, the I, I do. Yeah, he, he thinks that too.
2: All right, Michael, let's get into the week 12 opponent. Like you said, the Seahawks are going down to Philly to take on the Eagles, and the Eagles dropped a nail biter tight game to the Patriots last week. Sounded like this.
0: And they break from the huddle with Sinu, Watson, and Edelman to the right. set. a tight split, short side left. White to the right of Brady, off his hip. Edelman motions into the backfield. And then motions out to the right. Brady throws it to him, it's a lateral. Edelman's looking to throw, under pressure. To the end zone for Dorsett! A strike for a Patriots touchdown!
3: Little razzle-dazzle, baby! You can see from up here, perfect call by McDaniels. The execution of Brady, just to take a slight step up to make make sure Edelman, off the return motion, is wide enough and behind him. He quickly gets him the ball, and Edelman throws a dart to Dorsett, dragging left to right. Two razzle-dazzles so far in this play.
0: 15-yard golden flash from the former Kent State quarterback. His first touchdown pass since the 2014 AFC Divisional Round Playoff win over Baltimore. The Patriots will keep the offense on the field to go for two. And by the way, for Philip Dorsetta, career-high fifth touchdown reception this year. He was wide open in the middle of the end zone. Three receivers left now seeing the motions right. White in the backfield for the passes. they look for two. They've taken the lead in Philadelphia with a fourth pick. straight score. Short motion by Edelman from the left. They hand off to White. Jump cut right. Yeah. To the end zone. He's in for two. All right. The Patriots add to their lead. And they have taken a 17-10 advantage in the third quarter here in Philly.
1: I feel better.
2: That was the game-winning score. Hit him with a little razzle-dazzle. Michael, what did you see from that Eagles-Patriots game last week?
1: Razzle-dazzle. I definitely saw that. And I also saw two teams that are struggling to really move the football. For the first time, uh, Tom Brady's played a play a full game. Someone else on the team led them in touchdown passes. That sounds like a fake stat right there, Nas. Yeah, when
2: is Tom Brady, first of all, the fact that is Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown pass. Didn't when is that? I, I mean, not since back to maybe 2003, early on in his career when he still had
1: that, like, game manager role. But, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I also saw Carson Wentz was 20 for 40, 214 yards, only one touchdown, but was sacked five times. And I think... With the Hawks coming into town, this is the type of game that we need. Our defensive line had their best game of the season last week against uh, the 49ers on Monday Night Football. It's time to get after this guy. Um, But I just saw a grinder. I didn't see a very impressive game offensively or defensively for both teams, and I think the Eagles are prime for another loss when the Hawks go down to PA and get this thing done. It was bad for the Eagles down the stretch. The Patriots limited the
2: Eagles to 3.86 yards per play and held them scoreless on the last 10 possessions of the game.
1: Last ten possession. That has to be frustrating. And then you look at that receiving uh, core. Angular is averaging 8.9 yards per reception. reception, That ranks 91st out of 97 receivers who are eligible for that. And you got to have 25 targets to to be eligible. Um, That has to be frustrating for that Philadelphia offense.
2: Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But they're just not, in terms of the receiving core, they're just not really getting it done. Building off that, uh, Aguilar is averaging 5.1 yards per target, and that ranks 92nd in the league. And that's that's just hard to think because this is a team – that recently won a Super Bowl. It feels like yesterday they won a Super Bowl, but since then they they they've been average. They've been fifteen and thirteen since winning that Super Bowl for the last two years, and that just goes to show, man, it is hard to win
1: football games in this league. It is hard to win football games. So when you are eight and two, you are grateful. So now we're gonna move on to the key matchups. The first matchup we have to look at is Carson Wentz versus Seahawks front seven. Wentz has 2,274 yards, 16 touchdowns, and just four interceptions. He's not playing lights out, but he's not a bad quarterback at all. He's still a guy that you have to respect. And don't forget, if he has some space, he can run the ball as well. Wentz has been sacked 25 times on the season. That's bad for them. I think that's good for the Seattle Seahawks.
2: Yeah, so Wentz is going to take care of the football. Just four interceptions is a great stat. And like you mentioned, he does have some wiggles, so he's not going to be a statue back there, but they're susceptible to giving up sacks. And I think if if the front seven builds off of what they did against San Francisco, I mean, Clowney was an absolute monster. Jay Reed came along, Puna Ford. We got to see him, Shaquem Griffin. So people are there, and I think this is a perfect timing for those Hawks against that
1: uh, Carson Wentz and those Eagles offense. Perfect time. Stay aggressive with that front seven. The next matchup, we're going to look at Chris Carson versus the Eagles front seven. The Seahawks are facing another stout run defense. The Eagles are fourth best against the run in the NFL, allowing only 86 yards. The last time we played a team of that caliber the last two weeks, I believe, Mm -hmm. the Niners— and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Hawks have rushed for over 100-plus yards both times. So I feel like the Hawks are capable of playing a grinder football and still moving the rock and getting over 100 yards per game.
2: Yeah, and you got to love how they're playing because we know we want to run the ball. That's what we do. We do run the ball. We can run it against anybody, but we're keeping teams on their toes. I feel like the last couple weeks we've been in a good rhythm offensively. When when the Bucs game, we started – we set it up throwing – Early on, we set up the run by passing. We can do both. So I think I think Chris Carson is poised to have another
1: big day. Like mentioned, the last time the Seahawks faced a top-tier rushing defense, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they ran for 145 yards. The secret is out. Hawks wouldn't run the football, and they'll be stubborn doing it, and I don't blame them because it has been working for them thus far. Next matchup, the Eagles receiving core versus the Seahawks secondary. Tight end Zach Ertz is definitely the top receiver for the Eagles. He has 55 receptions, 621 yards, but only two receiving touchdowns.
2: Definitely, like you said, their top target, a guy that's a good tight end, has good hands, he'll, he'll beat you in the seam, he'll get north-south. But the but the problem is he hasn't been a red zone target this yeah. year, and that's, and that's really kind of hurt the Eagles receiving core. I mean, he's not a receiver, but he's their top target. And then you go down the line, Jeffrey has – 34 receptions, 353 yards, and three touchdowns. Aguilar, who we mentioned a little bit ago, 36 receptions, 322 yards,
1: and three touchdowns. They're they're not world beaters in that receiving core. It's just not – this isn't the product, production that you would foresee with Wentz being back there. Mm-hmm. So that lets you know there's some protection problems going on. And you look at the film, maybe guys are slowing down a little bit on the outside. And you lose Deshaun Jackson for the rest of the year with a rib injury, I believe it mm-hmm. was. Um, that has to hurt your team a bit. And there's some changes going on over there. The next matchup, the Eagles starting right tackle versus Clowney, Ansa, Jefferson, and Griffin. Lane Johnson, the starting tackle, probably the best offensive lineman to leave, to leave the game versus New England after being treated for a concussion. It's always tough to replace a guy of that caliber on your line. Oh,
2: especially at that position. That is such an important position at the right tackle spot. And uh, head coach Doug Peterson stepped to the podium to kind of give us an update about what we can expect from uh, Lane Johnson this week.
3: He came out after that touchdown drive. I don't know specifically what the play was, but it was after that drive that uh, uh, he came to the sideline, and, and uh, we checked him and had to put him in the protocol. Can you tell
0: us how long people, what stage he is in the protocol?
3: Well, it's still, it's still early, so it's, 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 I guess, stage one of the five-stage program. Yeah. So stage one
0: i know it's kind of hard to maybe quantify it but um how much of the offense's struggles after he went out were because he was out
3: i mean it it affected the run game a little bit um, from the standpoint of you know him and brandon working together you know and getting those reps during the week um still got a lot of confidence obviously in big v he he filled in there um but that that, you know it's it's a loss i mean you're talking about a you know a, a pro bowl caliber you know, right tackle, and, and he and Brandon together do some great things. And so um, it affects you a little bit, um, you know, with the running game. Yeah, Any thought about uh, getting Dillard reps on that side? Or? You know, going into the game, obviously, he was, you know, JP status during the week, obviously, he was still working at left tackle. Um, but moving forward, if, if you know, again, depending on lane, lane status at the end of the week, um, the, the plan would be to, to to work Dillard a little bit at right tackle.
1: If he cannot go, Mike Coog, Andre Dillard will get is. the start. You know, there it is. If there's any, if if I'm going to show any love to the Eagles, it'd be with that guy. Mm-hmm. But end of the day, we still want Clowney to get after him. It's going to be tough for that guy to come in. He's all he's usually played on the left side. They're going to ask him to play on the right side. I'm not sure how difficult that is, but um, you would have to think there's going to be some type of adjustment going on.
2: Yeah, and, and regardless who they put out there, um, it's gonna it's not going to be their Pro Bowl caliber uh, right tackle and Lane Johnson. So. Coming off the game that they just watch, if if I'm in Philadelphia and I'm watching film and you just saw what Clowney just did, you saw what Reed's doing, he's all of them, Shakeem Griffin getting in there, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I think I think Clowney, I mean, he had ten QB pressures 10. last week. He had he could have shoot, he could had five sacks last yeah. week. He was completely disruptive. He probably should have forced at least four or five different holding penalties that weren't called. He is an absolute monster and that is gonna be an a rough task for anyone, especially a young rookie, to step in there
1: and look across and you see Jadavion Clown and you see yeah. Jaren Reed. Good luck. Time for the D-line to prove it. Let's go, baby. Get her done. So now we're going to do something that most analysts do and we probably shouldn't do. We do it anyway. We're going to look to the playoff picture as of now. It's a way-too-early-look playoff picture. Um, in the NFC, you got the division leaders, the 49ers at 9-1. and one. We know who they lost to. Mm-hmm. The Packers at 8-2, and two, the Saints at 8-2, and two, and then those Cowboys sneaking in there at 6-4. and four. That's almost disrespectful right there. I don't like seeing that down there. <laughs> uh, the wild cards right now are the Seattle Seahawks and the Vikings. We were talking earlier, man, beginning of the weekend, it, it looked like things were going to change for the Hawks a little bit, but it didn't work out as far as wins oh, and losses. My goodness, the
2: Vikings were down 20-0. I think in the last five or so years, teams in the NFL were 0-99, been down 20 at halftime. They obviously found a way to come back and win. And the 49ers, man, the 49ers are down 16-0. And the Cardinals, who played them tough the first time, looked like they are going to get after them, just couldn't quite finish down the stretch. The Seahawks wanted a little help. They didn't get it. But it's all good because the Seahawks still control their own destiny and who they play.
1: All they got to do is win out and beat the Niners. And, hey, all is well. Still in the hunt are the Rams, the Panthers, the Bears. And then you go below there, the Lions are Cardinals and Falcons, uh, we'll see what they do. But um, so far, the Hawks are doing what they're supposed to do: just keep winning ball games. And someone else at the top, I feel, is going to take a L eventually on their schedule. The Hawks still are going to Philly. Vikings are coming here. They're going to L.A. to play the Rams. They're going to Carolina to play the Panthers. Uh, then Cardinals and Niners at home to wrap it up. If there's any game that gives you some kind of concern, there, Nas, which one would it be?
2: Oh, there's a couple. I mean, um, I like that we're playing the Vikings at home. They're a good football team, but the fact that we're playing them at home—I know we've lost two games earlier this year—but that's CenturyLink is still a tough place to play. Um, really, <laughs> the last two—you, um, I—when you see the Cardinals at three, seven, and one, you wouldn't think that, but. They're, they've kind of figured something out. Kyler yeah. Murray's playing well. They're playing with confidence. They've played a ton of close games. They just haven't will finish. And then, obviously, the 49ers, man.
1: Yep. There's when no I'm, easy
2: team on the schedule, but no. those two scare me the most down the stretch because those are probably going to be deciding factors for what this playoff picture turns into. And
1: Kyler Murray takes care of the football. That's why I appreciate about that kid. The 49ers remain in schedule. They got the Packers. They go to Baltimore. They go to New Orleans. Falcons and Rams go down to Cali. Then they finish it up north against the Seahawks. Their last five. Six
2: are tougher than ours. Oh, my goodness. That is murderer's row. You got the Packers coming in who are hot. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson, that man, other than Russell Wilson, obviously, because I still think Russell Wilson's MVP, Lamar Jackson is doing some things I feel like I've never seen before. Obviously, in the likes of Michael Vick and stuff, but he is phenomenal. That dude is balling, so that's going to be a tough game at the Ravens. Then you got the Saints, who are in two breeze. They're still rolling. They're 8-2. and Then the Falcons. The Falcons Falcons are sneaky. See, man, I'm actually happy when the Seahawks played them. Because at first everyone was saying, Hey, like, how did you not blow this team out? How'd you let them come back? Um, they went down to New Orleans yes. and put a whooping on them. They went to the Panthers, put a whooping on them there. So the Falcons
1: are gonna be a key factor down the stretch and look to play a little spoiler. And then they'll finish out with the Rams and the Hawks. Let's go, baby. All right, so now what is the path to victory? One, continue the dominance on the road. The Hawks are perfect 5-0 and in the season, which is super impressive. You would think that would be flipped 5-0 and mm-hmm. at home and maybe two losses on the road, but that's not the case here. Build off the defensive performance against the 49ers. Show that last Monday wasn't a fluke. This is who you are now. You put it on film. You let the world see it. Now just build off of it yeah you can get at it defensively especially you've shown that every all year everyone
2: was talking about the defensive line pass rush pass rush pass rush well against arguably the team that everyone else thought was the best team in the NFL you showed that you could do it every single down and on top of that your secondary is playing better so I think show what you can do you put it on film you show that you can do it let's keep it up
1: keep it rolling must play physical in the secondary Quandre Diggs brought the physicality we've been missing all year I've been waiting for this the way he came downhill even the tackles that he missed he missed a couple of tackles but I mean he's coming downhill and he's he has bad intentions he's Mm -hmm. not coming to hug you up he's not coming just to make the play he wants you to feel him and I love the intensity this guy plays with yeah he came out like you said it was like the first first play he missed the tackle
2: or first drive and he kind of took him a couple series to get into it but once he did I promise you every 49ers receiver was aware where Quandre Diggs was because he put the lick on a couple of them so, I mean, he, and you just love it. I mean, Blair brought some of that physicality, but I just love the veteran leadership. I mean, he was a captain for the, line, the yeah. Lions. Quandry Davis can play. I love what he's bringing to that secondary. And it seems
1: like he's always in the right position. You know, even that pick. If he wasn't rallying to the football, not in the right position, he doesn't get that ball. So that is fun to see. We must run the football. The Eagles have a great rushing defense. However, the Hawks have proven all season, they can run the ball against anybody. It doesn't matter. If they have to switch it up and open up with the pass versus get the run going, then so be it. That's why this team is so versatile. Because if you need to run the ball, you can run the football. If you got to open it up with the pass, you open up with the pass. you got a first-year dude in DK. Metcalf who's exceeding all expectations. Hopefully Tyler Lockett is healthy. You bring in a Josh Gordon and Hollister comes out of nowhere. I think this is the perfect example of a next man up team. Like Mm -hmm. someone goes down, the next guy is up. Um, I just love the confidence this offense is playing with right now.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned it doesn't matter who it is. Is it Malik Turner making a huge play? Is it David Moore making a big play? Is it Josh Gordon? Is it Hollister? Anyone who's in the game has the playmaking ability, and now they've had all these opportunities throughout the year where they've shown they could do it. So
1: now when you get in these moments late in the season, everyone believes. You know what I mean? Everybody believes. They must take care of the football. The Hawks have put the ball on the ground more than they ever have under Pete Carroll, um, which is it's disappointing, but it shows us how resilient they are as well because they're still finding ways to win ball games. Just don't put your defense in tough positions. Don't shorten the field. Uh, make that offense work. Ball security, job security. Absolutely. I mean, if anyone knows anything in this program with Pete
2: Carroll is protect the football. It's always all about the ball. It's always been about it. It's about creating turnovers and protecting it. The Seahawks haven't done a great job of that this year, and they're still eight and two. So
1: once you start to shore up all those things, the sky's the limit for that offense. Now to get Josh Gordon going, he made some big plays last Monday night. Got to get him involved, man. And the way it's. The average person looks at the plays that he made and say, "Oh, it was just a slant, but it was the way he caught the slant. It was all hands. It was confidence. He gets up, he points to the first down, he drops the ball. Like he looks like a veteran and a potential superstar, or maybe a, a former superstar. But you see that there's something different in Josh Gordon than there is in any of our receivers, and that's what makes our receiving core special. You got your Lockett, your guy, your shifty guy who does everything. You got your monsters on the outside. You got your tweener tight end and Hollister who kind of does everything." You almost have every type of receiver on this uh, this re- in this receiving core right now.
2: Well, yeah, and you look at the two balls that Josh Gordon caught. They weren't just like random little you know f- play in the first quarter. He caught big time third downs late in a football late. game in his first game ever playing with Russell Wilson. So I think the sky's the limit for Josh Gordon. He can really help that receiving core. And like you said, he's just a hands catcher. He snatches the ball out of the air. He's big. He's physical. So I am really excited to see what we can get out of him this rest of the season. I'm
1: excited as well. I'm excited to see what these Hawks do when they travel to PA and take on the Philadelphia Eagles. That's it Michael Bump is here with my producer NASA Choby thanks for tuning in that is Hawk Talk the preview Edition week 12. We'll catch you next time.